the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock and we are underway. It's Thursday, the 18th morning of the 8th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you so much for being with us for Always Right Radio. Don't forget to start your day online at alwaysright.us for the latest news, conservative news and views. The other sides of the story, the stories, or the sides rather, that you can't get from the stories run on the mainstream media. I do. I try to source and collect and gather everything that you need to know uh, that will provide you with the rest of the information that they try to keep from you so you don't have to search through 25 different conservative sites. You can just go to alwaysright.us, and they're all there and ready for you. So thanks so much for being with us this morning. We are loaded today. We've got three great guests coming up. We're going to talk about the tax increase that was just passed by the Democrats in Congress and signed by Joe Brandon. Uh, this week. And of course, they call, well, do they still call it the Inflation Reduction Act? Maybe not. Now that it's passed, now that, that it's passed, they're kind of moving away from that title that they put on it. 
which was nothing more than that, a title to try to sell it to the American people. Well, hell, everybody wants to reduce inflation. Let's pass the the Inflation Reduction Act. They put that nonsense out there in the media every single day for months. They even get Manchin to sign on for it. Now that it's been signed into law, suddenly they're not calling it the Inflation Reduction Act anymore. Anybody want to know why? Because they are admitting it will absolutely, positively not reduce inflation. What it will do is increase taxes, increase tax rates, increase overall taxes, increase back taxes by way of 87,000 new agents auditing middle-class Americans to raise 20 to $40 billion in increased taxes for them to spend on Democrat boondoggles like the Green New Deal. That's astounding what we have to talk about with Grover Norquist at 935. So Grover Norquist is guest number one. He is, of course, the president of uh, Americans for Tax Reform. We'll talk to him about all of that and what is in that bill. At 1010, Dr. Everett Piper joins us uh, as we continue some battles in the culture war. And at 1035, how about this for a Thursday surprise for you? Peter Kersenow. Kirsten I will join us for almost a full hour from 1035 to 1130, uh, as, of course, he was uh, not with us on Thursday. So he has made up the time and will be with us at uh, 1035. And he and I are going to discuss, well, the whole gamut. We have so many different issues to talk about, as do you and I together as well. So what do you say we get this party started? Grover Norquist, uh, Dr. Everett Piper, Peter Kirsten, our guests, and you at 216 Zero nine four five. I like to slow down sometimes on that. People say they can't hear. And that's why I tell you, by the way, don't wait for me to give it. Don't try to listen to it and write it down or dial it when I'm giving it to you if I say it too fast. Once you get it, save it in your phone. Make me one of your favorite contacts. So you just have to go, boop, touch your, touch your smartphone, and then touch my little face there or touch the 1420 logo or whatever it is you do that says call Bob. And then you don't have to remember it ever again. Do you even know phone numbers anymore? Seriously. I, it's a bizarre thing, and I know I'm chasing a, a squirrel here up a tree, but I mean, it, it's kind of weird. I used to have so many phone numbers memorized from my childhood, and I'm talking about all my friends' houses, their parents' phones in their houses. I could just sit here and list them off. I can't, I can't tell you two people's phone numbers now. I know my wife and my son and my daughter, each of their, their cell phone numbers. That's pretty much it. You don't remember phone numbers anymore. You don't have to. You just tap the little face or the little number, the little, uh, you know, the speed dial thing or whatever you want to call it. Um, so anyway, so you don't have to remember my number either. Just tap my little face or my little logo, whatever it is that you use there to put it on your phone and save it. So you can call Bob whenever the urge strikes. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Save both those. I'm worth two spots on your speed dial. All right, uh, Patriots, let me ask you to stand so we can get this party started, all right? With our Pledge of Allegiance. Face your flag if you have one, and if you don't, that's okay. If you are driving, you do not have to stand, but you could probably still pay tribute by putting your hand on your heart and joining us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in lying to the American people to pass massive tax and spend legislation during a recession that will not decrease but rather increase inflation, well, then you have no earthly idea what this flag represents nor the people represented by it. So you are exempted from the request to stand for the pledge. You may take a knee instead, as you are wont to do. Next to your favorite ex-quarterback, your favorite ex-WNBA player in a Russian prison, and maybe next to your favorite ex-pink-haired soccer player. Go ahead and take your knee next to them while the rest of us stand and say, 
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So let me lay this out for you, this... Uh... This this incredible example and display of dishonesty and deceit, which you kind of have come to expect from Democrats, um, otherwise known as demon rats, they slapped a label on a massive $740 billion tax and spend bill. They slapped a label on it that would make it sound like it's something wonderful, and it's something who could possibly oppose the inflation, the reduction of inflation on Americans. Who could possibly do such or oppose such a thing, right? So they put a label on it called the Inflation Reduction Act. They might as well have called it Everybody Be Happy Act. Who could possibly disagree with happiness? This act is going to make everybody happy, so it's the Everybody Be Happy Act. When happiness has nothing to do with what they are doing. And likewise, reducing the inflation had nothing to do with anything they're doing in this bill. But it's kind of interesting. Twitter users, Fox kind of covered this. Twitter users took several media outlets and reporters to task for no longer using the title of the bill that they used before it was passed and signed, the Inflation Reduction Act, to describe this. Now that it's been signed into law, they are referring to it in the mainstream media, which carried the water for the demon rats, as they always do, pushing this ridiculous waste of billions upon hundreds of billions, three-quarters of a trillion dollars on Democrat pet projects. The media called it the Inflation Reduction Act, just as, you know, the sycophantic suck-ups that they are to Biden and the left. And now they're calling it the Climate and Health Bill, citing the $369 billion dollars Of that $740 billion going toward investments in, quote, energy security and climate change. CNN's chief White House correspondent, Caitlin Collins, quote, Senator Manchin is here at the White House for President Biden's signing of the climate tax and health care bill. Wait a minute, Caitlin. Wait a minute, CNN. Don't you mean the Inflation Reduction Act? The Associated Press, quote, Biden signs massive climate and health care legislation. Wait a minute, AP, don't you mean Inflation Reduction Act? New York Times, quote, Biden signs climate health bill into law as other economic goals remain. Hold on, old gray lady, don't you mean the Inflation Reduction Act? NBC, quote, Biden signs major climate, health care, and tax bill into law. What about NBC, little, little proud peacock? What about the inflation reduction part of this? That's what the title was. How can they be not touting what they promised us that this would do, which is to reduce inflation? Hmm. Could it be possibly, because they know damned well, if you'll pardon me, but it's frustrating that they know they they full well know that it will not reduce inflation and all they had to they, they could only they only had to use that lie to sell it to the people that's all they needed to do was sell it they don't need to use it once it's passed because now they know they can't live up to it 
How do we know that? Well, ask them. Ask the man who is most responsible for this, this, this monstrosity going through, this attack on you, this attack on your, your privacy, your financial life, this massive invasion into American privacy with audits coming for people who have raised no red flags whatsoever that would cause them to be audited, but simply because they have to find billions of dollars, new dollars to squeeze from the middle class in order to continue to fund their massive spending. Joe Manchin, of course, is... The person I'm speaking of, Democratic West Virginia, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, claimed Democrats, quote, never said the newly passed Inflation Reduction Act would actually bring down costs. The senator admitted to Fox News reporter Hillary Vaughn that the reconciliation package, which was titled the Inflation Reduction Act, is not necessarily going to be reducing inflation, at least not anytime soon. Uh, hold on a second. We've got to fix that. Let's go here. Let's go there. And now let's give you this again. We'll cut costs. We're going to give people tax credits and rebates right at the point of purchase to buy energy-efficient appliances, energy-efficient uh, you know, wa- dishwashers and washing machines and all those kinds of things. I think we should go ask the senior citizens if who are now paying thousands of dollars for their prescription drugs, that if we cap that expense at $2,000, does that help them with inflation? I think they'll tell you that it does. But one of the key... That's White House, that's White House uh, Chief of Staff Ron Klain, by the way, as a part of this story. Uh, now we get to Joe Manchin. Negotiators of the Inflation Reduction Act, Senator Joe Manchin, told me yesterday they never claimed it would bring costs down for people right away. <laughs> Is it misleading to call this the Inflation Reduction Act for Americans when it's not going to make their grocery bill cheaper? It's not going to make everyday goods cheaper for them? Why would it? Why would it? Well, immediately it's not. But we never said anything happened immediately. Like today, it's turn the switch on and off. So. Then why did you give it that name, you lying piece of West Virginia coal? Why did you give it the name Inflation Reduction Act if that wasn't its primary purpose? Why wasn't it called the Climate Change Act? Why didn't you call it Green New Deal 2.0? Why didn't you call it Slim Down GND? Why did you call it the Inflation Reduction Act? Because you had to do what you do as a Democrat. Lie to the American people. And the media... That carries the water for you and your party did the same exact thing. Inflation Reduction Act. Inflation Reduction Act. It's going to reduce inflation. Okay, Mr. Manchin, uh, when does this begin to reduce inflation? Well, it doesn't. And why would it? I mean, immediately it's not. We never said it's going to happen immediately, like turning a switch on and off. But then why did you call it that? First of all, it's not only not going to happen immediately, it's not going to happen ever. How do we know that? Because the Congressional Budget Office, nonpartisan, says so. Because 230 of the leading economists in America wrote a letter to Joe Biden saying this is not going to reduce inflation. If anything, it will increase it by a half a percent over the next two years. And considering it's already at a 40-year high, that is a bad thing to have happen. It needs to decrease over the course of the next two years, not increase by another half percent. So all of these lies eventually, you know, are exposed, and then you have to put the put the boot on the throat. And I hate to use that that um, you know that uh, vernacular and that imagery and that symbolism because especially when we talk about what Orwell once said, 
that imagine a boot on a human uh, human head or stomping on a human neck or whatever it was. Uh, that's the future. But when it comes to liars at the head of a massive, massive government, and you catch them in the lie, you have to force you have to force their confessions. You have to force their admissions because it's the only way then to begin toward undoing the damage. You got to hit them hard and hit them fast. You got to hit them now. And that's exactly what we're going to do every day that inflation doesn't go down. Every new quarter's number, every new monthly number, every new annual number as inflation rises and does not go down because of the quote unquote, quote unquote inflation reduction act. Every single American should keep that in their mind the next time they cast a vote. And if you cast a vote for a party that is so willing to lie to you so brazenly just to advance their globalist climate agenda, well, then, you know what? God be with you. God be with you if you cast votes for these people knowing that they're lying to you. All right, 922, quick time out. Back. Got tons of news to get to this morning, including a Trump-hating judge deciding whether or not they're going to unseal the affidavit that led to the warrant that led to the raid of Mar-a-Lago. How illegal was this one is it going to be just steel dossier 2.0 probably that's probably why he won't agree to release it and unseal the affidavit we got that story and more coming up stay here always right radio am 1420 the answer we all got a long way to go. 926 now always right radio am 1420 the answer Fired up this morning, as we should all be, about this uh, this extraordinary attack on uh, the American taxpayer, and it really, really is. I'm ta- I haven't even talked much about the eighty seven thousand agents of late. Uh, I'm just talking about the Inflation Reduction Act by name. In response to a request on Tuesday by Fox News, the White House would not immediately provide economic modeling showing when the bill would actually impact overall inflation which sits at 8.5% over a year ago as of July. It was 9.1% over a year ago in June. They would not respond to a follow-up question about, tell us how and why you called it the Inflation Reduction Act. When does it reduce inflation? They have no answers. In fact, what they do do is push back against criticisms that the bill won't do what it says. They say that, you know, there's tax credits in it for green energy that go into effect immediately. Really, that's super. So in other words, I have to spend $60,000 on a new car, uh, an EV, in order to get a $7,500 tax credit. Hmm, how well does that work out for me? I get a tax credit, but i got to spend a ton of money to do it. If I install solar panels in my roof doing major reconstruction of my home, I've got to put all of that money up first, and then they'll give me some tax credits for it in April. Gee, that's dynamite. Super. That's not reducing inflation, you hacks. That is that is essentially bait and switch is what it is. That is not cutting costs for Americans at all. Jamie, uh, even Bernie Sanders admitted, by the way, Bernie Sanders said that this bill will, in fact, have a minimal impact on inflation, end quote, if it has one at all. And again, the only one that we know from The Economist is that it will actually increase inflation by a slight margin over the next two years. It will not reduce. Jamie Raskin from Maryland, one of the other punks in uh, in support of this uh, massive attack on middle-class America. As soon as the act goes into effect, I hope that all of the provisions will begin to work. He went on to say, I know that those who have been blaming President Trump for inflation going up are now giving President Biden credit for inflation going down. When has inflation gone down? It hasn't gone down. 
Just because Joe Biden is economically illiterate and thinks that going from 9.1% to 8.5% means we had 0% inflation, doesn't mean the rest of us are economically illiterate. 8.5% inflation over a year ago is a massive, massive number. It isn't going down, number one. Number two, this is called the Inflation Reduction Act, Jamie. When will it work to reduce inflation? You know what his response to that was? Next question. That's a direct quote. It's on video. It's on audio. I'm not going to play it, but it's on audio. He literally said, next question. He doesn't have an answer. None of them do. And this is going to be something that we focus on. Now, one of the other lead stories, as I said briefly before the bottom of the hour, the Trump-hating judge, Bruce Reinhardt, who has been in on social media expressing his disgust for Donald Trump, he actually recused himself as the, the magistrate in a civil lawsuit Donald Trump had filed against Hillary Clinton just a few weeks ago because of impartiality. He said he could not be impartial, meaning he was going to be favoring one side or the other. Which side would he have been favoring? We know from the social media posts. Clearly he would favor Hillary Clinton because he, he hates Donald Trump. Yet that didn't stop him from being the judge that they went to to get a warrant using a sworn affidavit by the FBI to get a warrant to search Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. That affidavit is the new, present-day, 2.0 version, in my estimation, and many others, of the Steele dossier. A bunch of lies presented to a FISA court, That's this was the Steele dossier, to get a warrant to spy on Trump and his campaign and the presidency. And now, it's an affidavit full of lies, to spy and to search and raid the Mar-a-Lago residence. Every American deserves to know what is in that. Every single American deserves to know what evidence was in this that made Judge Bruce Reinhardt say yes to the FBI windbreakers. Go, 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 go get them now. We need to know. And Bruce Reinhardt will hold a hearing today on a motion uh, to make that affidavit public. Don't count on it. Don't hold your breath or you will indeed drop dead. I do, I do not believe he's going to make anything public because he knows it's going to be full of garbage. All right, let's get a time out here for news at the bottom of the hour. On the flip, we're going to talk to Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform. We'll get his thoughts on what's in this bill and what it does to the American taxpayer. That's next on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. In the age of unreason, always write radio with Bob France and the answer. 937, we continue on Always Write Radio this Thursday morning. Thanks for being with us. AM 1420, the answer. In 2011, the IRS was weaponized under President Barack Obama. They were livid. He was livid. The Democrat Party, the leftist movement was livid. That just two years after Obama was elected, the midterm elections resulted in a Republican rout. I believe that by, uh, Obama himself called it a shellacking that he and his party took. And it was largely the Tea Party that drove that massive Republican uh, wave in uh, those midterm elections. So what did the IRS do? What did Obama do? He weaponized the IRS under the leadership of John Koskinen and uh, on Lois Lerner to go after those Tea Party groups, Tea Parties, 912 Projectors, any any group or organization applying for tax-exempt status, particularly with the words patriot or liberty in, in mind uh, in their names, they were all targeted. 
Um, that means the IRS does not, repeat, does not impartially decide whom they audit, whom they target, etc. They actually have an agenda. Now, fast forward to 2022, 11 years later, 87,000 new agents have been hired. And scores, thousands of weapons have been acquired for those agents. Hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition. And a new job application that says, or job listing rather, that says, you must be prepared and willing to use deadly force to become one of our agents. Yet the Democrats don't want you to think that this is an assault on the middle class. Joining us now to discuss this in more depth is Grover Norquist, the president of Americans for Tax Reform. Grover, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. So let's talk about uh, this aspect of it, first of all, because you led your New York Post article from two days ago with the, 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 the uh, information that I just shared, that these agents aren't just being hired to passively comb through people's tax returns and look for the ones that are the most questionable that might need to be audited or investigated. No, 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 no. They are preparing for battle. Why on earth would an IRS agent or a group or thousands of IRS agents need pistols and shotguns and automatic weapons and revolvers to the level that uh, you you described that they are? Uh, Everything you said was true, but you understate. It's not hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition. It's five million that they have at the IRS. Thank you. What in the world do they plan to do? I mean, five million is hundreds of thousands. It's just many. Of course. No, I got you. No, no, yes, get it right. (laughs) The um, five million rounds of ammunition. And your point that the IRS, in living memory, okay, I mean, they they did bad things going way back when. Uh, They audited Richard Nixon every year between when he ran in 60 and when he came back in 68. Uh, Kennedy and Johnson had him audited every year, just you know, by random, of course. Uh, and they went after, the LB, the FDR went after his enemies and had them audited. You don't have to do anything wrong for an audit to damage your business, to damage your reputation, to eat up your time, to make you hire lawyers uh, and eat up money. And one of the reasons some of the people who testified back in the 1990s hearings, because Clinton was abusing uh, the IRS, uh, one of the things that comes that came out of that is that um, people were were hit with right of center structures were hit, and the auditing was done. They didn't find anything. There's nothing wrong. But you know they have an auditor live inside your office for months and months and months. People had the IRS follow them and go after them for years. And by the way, they never tell you everything's done. They just leave at some point after you know, costing you time, money, uh, energy. One Democratic senator said one of the most disgusting things, that if you're honest, you, you don't need to worry about more IRS agents doing audits. So, you know, that's like saying only criminals need the, 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 tenement, the constitutional amendments, the Bill of Rights. We all need them, particularly innocent people need them, um, for crying out loud. And the fact that they can audit anyone they want and choose. I served on the Commission on Restructuring the IRS which is a congressional commission put together at, uh, as a result of those hearings and so on. And I asked the head of the IRS, I said, uh, my friends on the left tell me that none of them are being audited. The Heritage, uh, NRA, Citizens Government, List, all these conservative groups are being audited. Why are you auditing based on political worldview? Oh, no, we have this algorithm, and, it, and it's completely fair and independent. I said, great, let's see it. Oh, it's a secret. 
you'll have to trust us. And that, that was the that's, sum total of the conversation. That, that's, uh, that's an extraordinary uh, a part of the story here. We're talking to Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform. They don't have to tell you. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the Bill of Rights, and, I, and this is really going to be you know, kind of out there. But when I say this, how can auditing ever, ever be considered constitutional when we have a Fourth Amendment? Well, you really need to, they make a lot of leeway. Courts give a lot of leeway to the IRS. If you wanted an institution that could give you control over people's lives, don't choose the FBI because they have to go, they have to, go to court to get permission to do stuff. Do the IRS. Lot less limitations. Courts are much more deferential to IRS abuses than to police or FBI agents. Um, Grover, I want to talk about um, what this does to, to people. You, you mentioned they can audit anybody they want, and as I pointed out from, from 2011, they specifically targeted conservatives. How concerned should conservative people that have MAGA hats on their heads or Trump support expressed in their bios or their profiles on their social media? I've had callers and, and radio listeners tell me since this whole thing was, uh, was, you know, uh, was evident that it was going to pass, that they're going to dump their accounts. They don't want IRS, IRS agents to be combing through their own personal stuff that is, uh, well, it's public if it's on you know, social media accounts, but they don't want to be known as Trump supporters or as conservatives or liberty supporters or pro-lifers or pro-NRA or any of these kinds of things because they fear that it's going to trigger uh, an audit, even if there's no questions, there are no questions in their tax returns that would trigger an audit, just their lifestyle is going to trigger an audit. Do they have a right to be concerned? Well, let's see. The IRS has a union that represents IRS workers, or at least says they do, um, they, and the PAC money that they raise, uh, the party contributions that the IRS union uh, contributes go 100% to the Democratic Party, 100%. Okay? You have a one-party uh, government agency uh, that contributes money to the Democrats, of course the Democrats want to hire 87,000 more potential dues payers and PAC contributors that come to Washington to get money to the modern Democratic Party. Um, and you're looking at the Democrats running for uh, the Senate this election. You're Warnock get a bunch of money from the IRS. Uh, the Democratic Senatorial Committee got a bunch of money from the IRS. Individual Democrats running for Senate in cycle, by the way, in cycle, completely political, not something else, um, uh, got money there. And this is an agency that destroyed a political movement. They said, we are not going to allow Tea Party and similarly structured groups, conservative groups, liberty groups, to incorporate, to get a uh, 501c3 status so they could be nonprofit incorporated, then they could have a bank account, then they could raise some money. They were not allowed to, and they were destroyed over a two-year period. By 2010, in 2010, the Tea Party movement swept the House and most of the Senate uh, on behalf of the Republicans. And uh, the president and his people said this will never happen again. And they set up that little operation in Ohio where if you are one of the politically incorrect groups, or you smelled in their view like one of those conservative groups, they put you there and then they never gave you your, your C3 status of conservative groups for a three-year period. Only one got C3 status, the ability to incorporate as a nonprofit. The other groups over time, you, you can't have hundreds of members like, kicking in $5, how, if you, you know, if you can't write a check, if you can't deposit something in a bank, and you can't have the bank account, if you don't have a C3, uh, you're not covered uh, legally and so on. And that was a way to strangle a political movement, and it did. 
so that by the time uh, Obama ran for re-election, there were very few pesky uh, Tea Party groups standing. They certainly had not grown the way the taxpayer movement in the 70s out of California, Prop 13, Ohio tax initiative efforts, Massachusetts citizens from location. Those are groups still existing and, and winning battles for taxpayers today started in 79. The ones that tried to start up under the Tea Party movement were politically strangled. Now, did anyone get fired? No. The lady who did it got uh, a, a, a big pay increase as she walked out the door, a bonus to tell her how good she was doing her job. She did kind of apologize for illegally doing what they did, but that was the sum total of it. seems to me if you apologize, they give you a bonus. The word to everybody watching is your government approves of this behavior. Do more of it. Wow. We're talking to Grover North. So we'll, to you. Go ahead. Continue, please. No, no. Will they do it again? They will do it again. Yes. No question. No question. Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform. Grover, outside of the 87,000 agents and outside of the increased threat of audits and the fact that I believe Ted Cruz ran the numbers or, or gave the numbers that were run of the 1.2 million new audits every year that are expected because of this, 710,000 of them will be of people making $75,000 a year or less. Um, that that's that's an astounding admission or acknowledgement that the uh, middle class is going to bear the brunt of this um, you know this new heavy-handed IRS approach. How and why can the Democrats continue to say that no 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 this is only going to be for billionaires or for people making over four hundred thousand dollars a year? Who, I mean, somebody's not telling the truth here. No, the Democrats are lying, and the press doesn't call them out on it. So they continue to to lie on this one. Um, how do we know this to be the case? Well. Uh, there was a amendment in the Senate that said nobody who makes under uh, $400,000 will be audited as a result of, you know, with, with this new money coming in. And every single Democrat in the Senate voted no. What are their plans? They just told you their plans. They could have said, we're so offended that Republicans and taxpayers think that we would uh, increase audits of people under 400000 Watch us make that illegal. That shows how honest we are. Instead, they voted down that, which means, you know, any court looking at it in the future and said, do you think they intended it for to allow uh, people to be audited under corner? Intended. They voted. That's, that's congressional intent. So you can't even go to court and, and say, you know, they promised not to do it. Okay. <laughs> What's in the law matters. What the, head of, the Treasury Secretary said, oh, we'd never do that except she had told people to go and vote not to ban it. And the head of the IRS said, oh, we're not planning to do that. Yeah, notice that. Not planning. Now we're not planning to do that. <laughs> Next yeah, week, a, yeah we that, that, that. That, that, that language is always important. They always do that. And that's not what our plan is. That you know, And for those who are not paying attention, they say, oh, okay, well, that's not what they're going to do. Well, that's plan. Well, the plans change, and that happens all the time, and that's the reality of this situation. Grover, real quick, uh, on, the, on the nature of this bill, they named it the Inflation Reduction Act. They stopped calling it that the moment Joe Biden put pen to paper. Now they're calling it the Climate and Health Cost uh, Act, uh, Act and Climate and Health Care Legislation and so forth. They're no longer proclaiming that it's going to reduce inflation because they knew from the jump that it never was. The only thing good about this bill was that they named it the Inflation Reduction Act because it was the first time that Congress uh, said uh, there is inflation. And the president signed a bill that says there is inflation. They spent 18 months saying there is no inflation. 
They spent 18 months saying it was transitory, it was caused by Putin, it was this, it was that, it doesn't really exist. It'll all be over by December. Last December, by the way. Last December is all going to be over instead of raging at this point at 8 9%. Um, so they did, you know, bow to reality and say, we know the American people are hurt by inflation, so we will pretend to pass a bill that pretends to be about inflation. But you're quite right that the press which might have said, if they wanted to have been honest, there is nothing in here that will keep inflation down. Several studies by liberal groups said there's nothing in here that will reduce inflation, some that will increase inflation. Uh, and so what they're doing is um, they're now correctly pointing out this is a subsidy for subsidized energy. Uh, it is a subsidy uh, for uh, people on welfare getting more health care uh, for free. Uh, and it's a tax increase. Sometimes they put health tax green there. Sometimes they're smart enough, politically smart enough, to take the tax part out of it. Um, but that is the press being honest now that it's too late. Grover Norquist, last question for you. The Holman Rule yeah. uh, is described as uh, a rule that allows amendments to appropriations legislation that can reduce the salary of or fire specific federal employees or cut a specific program. It was reinstated in January of 2017 under President Trump on a, quote, temporary basis. Can this be used if the Republicans take back over in the in the uh, House and in the Senate? Can this be used to excise all of these new 87,000 agents? It's a good question. There are going to be fights in the court. There are labor union contracts which go way beyond civil service protection. Um, so, it, you know, some of the there have been IRS people who were terminated because they were breaking the law and looking at people's uh, tax returns. And then they were brought back because the union rules are different than civil service and much more protective of criminals. Um, so uh, the answer is we should certainly explore that. Uh, we're going to have to look at what we do politically to say, you know, look, we're going to cut your budget. You decide how you want to do it, but we suggest you don't hire anybody else. Grover the president cannot make, you, cannot make you spend money. Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform, laying it all out for us. A terrific piece in the New York Post that he wrote two days ago is up right now on my webpage at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. You can click it and read it. And if you missed any part of our conversation with Grover, we'll upload that to you right at the end of the show, or for you, rather, right at the end of the show so that you can hear the entire conversation. Grover, thanks so much for the time. Keep up the good work. You got it. Take care. Thank you. Uh, 9.53, quick time out. Always write radio on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer. Onward into hour number two, we go seven minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock on this Thursday, the 18th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord 2022. Thanks for being with us. If you missed the conversation that we had with Grover Norquist this morning, 
number one, you're going to want to hear it. So it will be uploaded for you a little bit later on today, a little bit after the program, probably about an hour or so after the show. So you can make sure you heard you hear that. Also, the article that he wrote for the New York Post about this um, three-quarter of a billion dollar a trillion dollar, rather, three quarters of a trillion dollars uh, monstrosity called the Inflation Reduction Act. He wrote a terrific piece about that and the 87,000 agents coming for you and for me. That is linked also to alwaysrate.us right now. The other thing linked to alwaysrate.us right now is the latest article in the Washington Times by Dr. Everett Piper asking a fundamental question that many of us have been asking and discussing on this program. Why aren't Democrats ever prosecuted? by the Merrick Garland DOJ. Joining us now for his regular Thursday contribution to our program is Dr. Everett Piper, columnist for the Washington Times, best-selling author, former university president. Dr. Piper, good to have you back this morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Bob. As always, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks very much for the time. You know, you, you, you ran through a pretty exhaustive list there, and you could have written uh, probably a couple thousand more words if you'd have wanted to, or if they'd have given you the space to do so. Of the number of either Democrats or Democrat supporters or uh, other individuals with the same ideology as the current administration, and particularly the head of the DOJ, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, uh, of individuals who have committed all kinds of very blatant and flagrant violations and or crimes that have never, ever seen prosecution, much less uh, investigation, much less a raid on their home the way President Trump just did. Tell us more. Well, yeah, I could. you and I could both uh, wax eloquent for a half hour uh, citing various different scenarios where people on the left, the progressives, Democrats, whatever label we want to give them, or they want to claim for themselves, have not been prosecuted for breaking the law. Now, I want to make something clear. I was criticized for this article uh, for being guilty of the fallacy of whataboutism, uh, the non-sequitur, the non-sequence, that it doesn't make any difference because you're basically exonerating Trump by saying, well, what about Epstein? What about Clinton? What about Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton? What about uh, Lois Lerner and Eric Holder? What about? I want to make something very clear, Bob. And if people go read this article, I never mentioned Donald Trump at all. This article doesn't really have anything to do with Trump. What it has to do with this claim by Merrick Garland that in the United States, no man is above the law. Well, Mr. Garland, if that's your claim, and I agree with it, in the United States, no man should be above the law. In fact, that goes back to Aristotle and after him, John Adams, etc. No person should be above the law in a constitutional republic. We're a, we're a nation of laws and not a nation of men. I agree with Merrick Garland. But what about? And then, you know, I list all of these various different in- individuals, from Eric Holder to Lois Lerner to Hillary Rodham Clinton to Bill Clinton to um, Peter Strzok to uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Why don't we know about all the Johns in Epstein's book, Black Book? Why aren't they being pro- prosecuted for basically flying in their private jets to go have sex with minors? And what about all the teachers' unions that are promoting pornography in our public schools by having books like Genderqueer that have pictures of adult men having sex with minor boys? I mean, what about? Now, this is not the fallacy of whataboutism, because I'm not referring to Donald Trump when I write the article. I'm just taking Merrick Garland, and I'm challenging his premise. And that is, in the United States, nobody should be above the law. Well, if you really believe that, then prove it. 
start prosecuting everyone on both sides of the political fence, and I'm fine with that. Let the truth prevail. Let the law win rather than us being a nation of men who have privilege or women that have privilege over and above others. Let's, let's, let's make everybody subject to the law. You know, um, you, you obviously explained that very eloquently about the law. And if they're going to make claims that nobody's above the law, then you'd better doggone well start prosecuting. But I'll be honest with you, Dr. Piper, that aside, I have no problem with whataboutism. I mean, that's the only way that we can explain, the only way we can point out uh, the two-tiered system of justice that exists in this country. The only way is to say, what about Hillary Clinton, who was, there was a 20-minute presentation from the former director of the FBI, James Comey, explaining what they found in their investigation. All of the felonies committed by Hillary Clinton. He spoke for almost 20 minutes saying she did this, 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 and all of these things were illegal and wrong. And then at the end said, however, uh, no, uh, you know, no prosecutor would ever prosecute for these, ca- for these cases. Case closed. See you. Goodbye, everybody. 20 minutes as to why she should be prosecuted and then an announcement she would not be prosecuted. I'm going to what about that when you break into Mar-a-Lago, particularly after, you know, a June request, a subpoena that was given to Trump and his lawyers looking for certain documents, and they met them at the, at the, at the residence at Mar-a-Lago and complied completely. The FBI left totally satisfied. They, they, they uh, um, then actually called back and said, you know that storage room that you have where you keep all your presidential memorabilia stuff? We're not really satisfied with the single lock that's on that. Can you strengthen that security, please? And guess what? The Trump attorneys asked the Secret Service themselves to strengthen that security, and they put a, installed a brand-new locking mechanism on the place. So they went to Trump. They said, give us all this stuff. Trump said, okay, here you go. And now the second time, instead of doing the exact same thing, which is asked for it, and, and believing that, why would they have no any reason to believe that he would not comply the second time around? Instead, they come barging through with, with 40 agents and spend nine and a half hours combing through everything from Trump's storage facility to Melania's uh, clothes, uh, clothes closet. I mean, Dr. Piper, I am okay with what about is until they do that to other people who have been accused of similar violations, then I'm going to what about that and, and then ask them to explain to me how you can call this a fair system of justice. I, I, I think your, your rationale is solid, Bob. And I, what you're arguing for is consistency. And that's what all of us should be arguing for. Is that That's you what what about is. Right. That's well, what aboutism yeah. they they criticize what aboutism. I think that's why I support it because it is it's asking for consistency. Well stated. Well, however, what aboutism or the fallacy of the non sequitur, non sequence? Here's where it's bad. Let's let's say for example, um, you've got a local school teacher in Cleveland that's uh, sexually abusing um, his students, and you, as a conservative on your radio station, point that out. Then the progressive left says, yeah, but what about the church? The church did the same thing. Well, frankly, that doesn't have anything to do with the teacher in your local schools that's guilty of that crime. Prosecute the crime. Don't distract from the crime by saying, well, what about the church? The the point here is we apply the principle, we apply the law equally to everyone. And frankly, if the church is guilty of of sin or a crime, then prosecute the church. Thank you. Right. I was waiting for you to finish. I was waiting for you to finish so I could say that. I would support the prosecution of the teacher and of the clergy, whoever is doing these things to children. So that's why I'm fine with the what about. And there's where conservatives understand this principle of consistency, whereas progressives don't. 
they'll use what aboutism or the or the fallacy of non sequitur, and they'll use it to distract from their own sins and crimes. Conservatives should rise above that and say, "Hey, we believe in the law. We believe in objective moral good, and all of us should be held to that standard. And if there's anybody who claims to be a conservative who has violated," it then so be it go after them but don't ignore everybody on the left in that process and that's my point in challenging merrick garland yeah and 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 the other thing i would do to challenge merrick garland dr everett piper is to ask um you know on what basis on what basis did you declare this to be an emergency because there may have been nuclear documents we now come to find out he has been mulling this over for nearly a year and a half this was just really re- recently revealed that he had been considering whether or not to allow the FBI to 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 raid Mar-a-Lago for this, that, or the other thing for over a year and a half. If he truly believed that there were nuclear documents, documents related to the nuclear code or nuclear codes or or what have you, and then declared this to be such an emergency that he had to go in there with the heavy hammer that they did, as opposed to just requesting by way of subpoena more documentation or more uh, um, transparency. Um, then why did he wait 18 months if it was such an emergency? Again, inconsistency. And, you, and you've, you've nailed it. Again, they, if they applied the exact same rigorous review and the same type of time frame and the same type of um, application of the law to both sides of the political fence, then you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. And frankly, if you find one of us, our conservative leaders politically or ecclesiastically, i.e. the church, if you find one of our conservative leaders violating the standards that we as conservatives hold dear, then I would argue, hang them from the nearest tree, because they violated our principles. And we are conservatives because we believe in principles and not the power of people. Merrick Garland is proving the exact opposite for liberals. Very, very well said. Dr. Everett Piper, we'll take our time out here. It's a perfect spot. It's 1017 when we come back. Trans-totalitarianism will be the topic. What exactly does that mean? I think you probably have an idea. Dr. Piper will talk about that next day in 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty. Now we continue on Always Right Radio with Dr. Everett Piper back with us, a regular Thursday commentator on all things cultural, spiritual, faithful. Uh, Dr. Piper, trans totalitarianism is in the title of this piece that you shared with me from the American Conservative, and was just as uh, alarming for me as it is, I'm sure, for you and anybody else who real uh, who reads this. People being propagandized out of having a healthy reaction to a moral horror, which is the colonization of children's minds and bodies overtaking our society. I think we talk about this literally every week, um, and I and I plan to continue to do so um, until we start to see some changes in the culture and we start to see some defense of children at the professional levels, professional educators, professional doctors, and yes, parents, because right now all of those adults are failing these kids during this massive trans movement. Take it from there. Well, there are stories uh, in numerous different places this week uh, and previous weeks, and they'll continue in the future until we get our act together and stop this lunacy. Um, the Wall Street Journal is carrying a piece that is titled, uh, what's it say, the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics, Dubious Transgender Science. That's in the Wall Street Journal. There's this article in the American Conservative by Rod Dreher, which calls out this terrible, terrible butchery and abuse and grooming of children, minors, um, being mutilated. And Rod Dreher is, it's a long article, 
and people need to follow Roger. He's the author of the best-selling book, Live Not By Lies. Roger has done a lot of research about how totalitarian regimes, mostly communists, have taken the children away from the parents and made the child the guardian of the state rather than the property of the parent, the mom and dad. And Roger is warning us and saying that this trans movement is laden with that exact same ontological air. Now, what does he mean by ontological and what do I mean? Ontology is the study of reality. And when you give over the definition of reality to this trans movement where you deny the rational in favor of the emotional, you deny the reality of the body in favor of the fantasy of the mind, and you take that and make it the definition of the human being, you can thereby take children who have a fantasy that is basically making a claim that there's something they're not. They're pretending. Their imagination is leading them to conclude that there's something other than their biological reality. And when you allow that to start being the governing law, that a child can, by virtue of his imagination, his fantasy, a fabrication where he wants to pretend to be something he's not, at the youngest of ages, 8, 9, 10, 11 years of age, and you're going to start performing surgery and hormone therapy on that child to accommodate his fantasies and his feelings, rather than allowing the parents to say, no, 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 that's not who you are. You're pretending to be something you're not. You're not Barney the Purple Dinosaur. You're not Tarzan. You're not Superman. Yes, you can make believe and you can pretend to be some good things as you're growing up as a child, but when you start pretending to be something that's going to cause you physical harm, the parents should step in the way and say, no, you can't do that. Rod Dreher's point in this article is that we have allowed the colonization of the mind, of ideology, to replace the authority of parents. And that colonization is resulting in parents losing their rights to raise their children the way they should be raised and to keep them healthy and whole in body and soul. And shame on us. Just shame on parents for allowing this to happen, for allowing schools to groom our children and doctors to mutilate our children. Roger Dreher is calling upon us to rise up and say no. And what parent in their right mind could disagree with what he's saying, what you're saying, or what I'm saying right now? Well, the the, uh, the real difficulty here is, you know, not just parents who, who say no or refuse to say no and rise up, as you say, but those who rise up in their place get shut down. And I'm talking specifically about libs of TikTok. You probably are well aware of this already. Libs of TikTok continues to be targeted and to be and silenced by uh, Twitter and mainstream media for simply bringing to light facts. Libs of TikTok just got suspended permanently by Twitter for sharing the video from the Boston Children's Hospital in which they advertise and market to young children what they call gender-affirming hysterectomies, gender-affirming genital mutilation, gender-affirming and gender-healthy uh, mastectomies, and so forth. So they they uh, Libs of TikTok put this video out there and continues to share the information uh, from Boston hospitals that have indeed proven and it's all proven 
committed, I guess, you know, they would say performed, I would say committed these uh, surgeries on children. Um, and Libs of TikTok has been banned. They've been banned permanently, or this woman who runs Libs of TikTok has been banned permanently by Facebook. And then uh, I don't know if it's a temporary situation now on Twitter. And they say she continues to violate the community standards of the platform, which is what? What community standards are there? Let people abuse and mutilate children at their will and don't say anything about it? That's the standard at TikTok? Or, excuse me, at uh, uh, at Twitter and, and at Facebook? Because that's what's happening. Yeah, it is. The cancel culture. And I warned of this back in 2015 in my book, uh, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. When any culture decides that anything but truth should win the debate, then that culture is lost and it's going to be subject to power plays, to censorship, to cancel, uh, to the canceling of people they disagree with. And that's exactly where we are. Truth is no longer an objective standard. Ontological reality doesn't matter anymore in the minds of over 50% of the American public. If we want to pretend it, that makes it so. If you have an inclination, then that's your identity. If you have a given desire, then that's your legal definition. And when you give yourself over to those ontological, those heirs of reality, when you start defining yourself by your emotions rather than rational facts, you're lost. You're lost as a culture. And this is why the biblical worldview matters. The biblical worldview goes back to a true north. It allows us to repent, to revive, to return, to restore. It's the soap that cleanses a culture and keeps it whole. That's why it's important for us that, I mean, yeah, okay, so fine. Twitter is canceling people. I don't agree with it. I think it's wrong. But you still have a radio show, and you still have tens of thousands of people that are listening to you right now. And they should be rising up and protecting their families and protecting their children and grandchildren from this nonsense, rather than hiding their head in a hole and doing nothing about it. And I don't mean to offend anybody right now. I'm sure that I just described a minority of your audience. Probably most everybody is fighting in the trenches for the good of our culture and the good of our kids. But we need to continue to stay the course. We need to have spine and courage and march into the storm, waving the banner of truth. And if we win, great. That's God's grace. But if we lose waving that banner, then so be it. Go down fighting. It's the right thing to do for our kids. You start out your show with that quote from Reagan. Well, listen to Reagan. It's time to stand for freedom and truth and justice as defined by God rather than defined by our genitals and our libido. A, a Christian should understand that we're defined by our Lord and not our libidinous desires. Dr. Piper, last thing on this, and again, I'm going to tie it back to um, the online push. There's a, uh, a an account that Matt Walsh has taken great pains to expose recently because of the extraordinary danger uh, that young children are being put in by one particular user, and I have no idea why law enforcement has not already jumped on this. He keeps referring this to the FBI, FBI and others. But there is a trans rights person, whatever you want to call this person, who has acknowledged and admitted that the puberty blockers and hormones that this person gets and takes, they always take double, or excuse me, not take, but order and receive double, and then the extra that they have, they send to other young people. Uh, in other words, they're sharing prescriptions, prescription drugs that 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 obviously have tremendous life-altering impacts on people's bodies because we're talking about puberty blockers and hormones uh individuals who say they can't get them on their own or their parents won't allow them to switch or whatever so they're sending drugs through the mail and bragging about it on twitter and they're allowed to stay 
Dr. Piper, this is a federal crime. It is a dangerous, dangerous uh, crime involving you know prescription medications being given to other people. And no one is complaining about that. Instead, they want to get Matt Walsh banned for daring to expose this account. Well, it goes back to the, the top of the hour and the front end of this show. What about? Okay. Merrick Garland, if nobody's about, above the law, then why aren't you prosecuting these child abusers? Why aren't you prosecuting these people that are abusing, bragging about it in social media, about abusing their prescriptions and giving them to minors without the consent of the parents or even the parents being aware of it, drugs that will alter them for life? If the left really wants to boast about being pro-law, then enforce the law. And I don't care whether it's on Donald Trump or whether it's on these child abusers who are grooming our kids in our classrooms and mutilating our kids in their doctor's offices. Or these guys that are lying when they order their prescription drugs and give them to minors to, to, to damage their bodies. I mean, we have to go back to being a nation that is grounded in objective truths that are that are based upon the laws of nature and nature's God as the foundation for a free society. A thousand times on your show, I've, I've, I've quoted Chesterton, get rid of the big laws of God and you don't get liberty, you're going to get thousands and thousands of little laws that rush in to fill the vacuum. Well, and then those little laws are going to be enforced uh, selectively because you've got people in power that don't believe in the big laws as being governing um, the governing context for their own lives as well as the lives of those folks that want to enjoy freedom in our culture and society. Dr. Everett Piper laying out, as only he can, uh, all of the facts on this extraordinarily important situation involving our kids. Dr. Piper, I appreciate it very much, sir. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk to you again next week. Blessings. Take care. 1031, what a cavalcade of brilliance we have for you today. We go right from the mind of Dr. Everett Piper to that of Peter Kersenow, United States Commission on Civil Rights. Kersenow, next, AM 1420, The Answer. of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Then what are we doing now? And when you hear that they named it the Inflation Reduction Act, do you just laugh out loud? I mean, do you, do you, do you, do you, you know how Washington works, but do you see the sort of irony in, in, in tacking on another $700 billion with tax in, increases and spending involved? Does that in any way look like an inflation reduction bill to you? That didn't come from a Fox News host. That came from CNBC, Joe Kernan, mocking the Inflation Reduction Act that was signed this week by Joe Brandon. Uh, Three quarters of a trillion dollars of spending that we don't have and tax increases that we know are coming all to uh, benefit the Green New Deal. What was it? Three hundred sixty-nine billion of the seven hundred forty billion are going toward climate issues, uh, raising taxes on corporations, and yes, that eighty billion dollars for eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents among the features. They call it the Inflation Reduction Act, or at least they did until it passed and got signed. Now they're not calling it that anymore because they know it doesn't reduce inflation. They just had to have some name on it to sell it to the people. Now they're calling it the the climate bill, the climate and health care bill. Joining us now for re- with a reaction to that and more, 
Our good friend Peter Kersenow, normally with us on Tuesdays. His schedule has been busy of late on Tuesdays, so he's kind enough to join us now. Peter Kersenow, the longest-serving member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, best-selling author, columnist, sometimes law professor, and more. Peter Kersenow, good morning, sir. Good morning, Bob. Beautiful day in Cleveland. Yes, sir. So, Pete, uh, two things that I want you to address regarding the Inflation Inflation Reduction Act. Number one, that they stopped calling it that the minute it was signed by Biden, because they know the Penn School, uh, Wharton School, uh, acknowledged as much. The Congressional Budget Office acknowledges as much. 230 of the world's leading or country's leading economists sent a letter saying this will not reduce inflation. If anything, it will increase inflation a slight amount over the next two years. So they stopped calling it that. Now they're calling it what it really is, which is uh, you know a, a climate deal that essentially puts them on par with uh, the rest of their globalist cohorts. So that's number one. And then Peter Kirstenow, of more note and uh, importance to uh, American taxpayers, eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents have been hired or are going to be hired. And according to videos obtained of IRS training, um, these agents. Not only do they have to be prepared to use deadly force if necessary on their jobs, they are going to be armed to the teeth. And we're talking about massive numbers of firearms. We're talking about five million rounds of ammunition uh, and more. So um, take us through this, Pete, from your perspective, this new three-quarter of a trillion dollar tax and spend bill, uh, what it's going to go for, and then what about these heavily armed IRS agents? What should Americans expect? Well, you know, it's, uh, you hate to, you, you want to avoid histrionics. You want to avoid conspiracy theories. You want to avoid all manner of overreaction. But in this particular case, the sober reaction is to acknowledge precisely what's going on here um, and what they have said themselves. Uh, as a first matter, let's um, excoriate the media for being as corrupt as they've been over the last number of years, but increasingly so, and carrying the water of these progressives by dutifully calling it the Inflation Reduction Act, when everyone in the world, including my dogs, knew that this was going to, at bare minimum, increase inflation and expand the size of government. The matter of the IRS, when you... Um, uh, you know, add to it all of the things that have occurred, especially over the last 10 days, but also with respect to the last few years, the kind of authoritarian impulse that we've seen among so many of our federal agencies that go all in one direction. Uh, they, they, they have the audacity of uh, doing things that are plainly corrupt and one-sided. Uh, it's truly extraordinary. The instrumentalities of the federal government, the most powerful instruments of the federal government, have been marshaled in favor of passage of progressive uh, agenda. And so this is, we're, we're, I, I, again, you hate to have, you know, engage in this kind of rhetoric and this kind of pseudo-conspiracy theory, but this is not a conspiracy. We're seeing it happening right before our eyes, and anyone who tries to uh, diminish it, I think, is the one who is deluded. Um, we have to be very careful about what's going on right now, and this whole matter of 87,000 IRS agents, uh, I think last week you and I, talked about it, Bob, I'm sure every single member of your listening audience is well aware that this is not going to be directed at the millionaires and billionaires. Otherwise, each millionaire and billionaire would have their own personal IRS agent attached to them. 
this is directed at the middle class. No ifs, ands, or buts about it because that's where the money is. But it's more than simply excor- uh, extracting money from the middle class in a, in a time of inflation and people struggling. It's a matter of enforcing an orthodoxy, sending a message that you better behave. Otherwise, let's face it, for most people, an audit is a crushing experience, both in terms of finances, the time consumed, the uncertainty involved in it. You have to marshal up right away. You've got to go out and get yourself an accountant, a lawyer, and everything else. Uh, the process is the punishment, so it keeps people in line. And that, I believe, again, 15 years ago, we would have thought this is tinfoil hat territory, but I think that is one of the primary purposes of all of this and why they're unabashed, frankly, about announcing that they've got 87,000 new IRS agents. They're sending a message, just as Mar-a-Lago was a message, just as the fact that they had um, disparate prosecutions of uh, Republicans versus Democrats for the same offenses, disparate uh, prosecutions. There have been no prosecutions of Democrats for the same thing. Uh, you know, Hunter Biden is the most, <laughs> it's a, it's a, blaring siren that, in fact, we are in a, I hate to use the term again, but it's almost banana republic territory. It, not almost, it's banana republic territory. The regime is protected, and those on the outs are, are persecuted. Not prosecuted, but persecuted. I hope that our fellow Americans, and the polls seem to suggest it is the case, uh, recognize this and will take actions to preserve liberty. Uh, starting with the election in November. Typically, I don't excoriate people to vote a certain way, but I think, as Larry Elder says, we've got a country to save. This is how dire it is. And as we've discussed in the past uh, couple of weeks, Bob, uh, I always look to people who have come from totalitarian regimes as a bellwether for saying where we stand right now. And when you talk to people like that, and they've been in the media, uniformly they have said, don't go down this path. We've seen this before. And if America goes down this path, there's no, there's no bulwark. There's nothing to protect us. Not, we have to get ourselves out of this. America is usually the one that comes to the rescue of other nations. Nobody's going to be coming to our rescue, and the world becomes a dark place. Uh, as far as the Inflation Reduction Act is concerned, again, this, the, the boondoggle in favor of progressives, but that is going to be harmful to the rest of America, is an abomination. I'm hopeful that when Republicans control all branches of government, that they do everything they can to repeal every iota of this monstrosity. It is going to hamstring American growth. It is going to restrain American freedom. It is anti-American in its essence. And we've gotten to a point now where we just blithely spend other people's money to burden those people, those very same people, and call it stupid names, Inflation Reduction Act, that are utter lies. And the folks that sit before you on your television screens, whether you're listening to them on the radio, with the exception of you and others, Bob, are just parroting the lies. It is, I'm repeating myself and have over the last several years, but this is, you know, a, a ridiculous version of Providence. When I say ridiculous, at least you'd have some respect for the guys who are saying it under Pravda, uh, because they had a gun to their heads. They had to say it. Here, they're doing it willingly and are hurting their fellow Americans dramatically. Shameful. Shameful. And that's why their ratings are down. That's why our institutions have the lowest credibility ratings in their history. Peter Kirsten, I was our guest on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, a little follow-up to the first half of, of, of your, your response there as we talk about the audits and 
You know, I, I asked Grover Norquist this question in the first hour. Um, you know, are, are, how are audits even legal and constitutional given the Fourth Amendment? Um, you know, and of course we get into the definition of unreasonable search and seizure and so forth. And I guess you have to have some kind of red flag in order to trigger an audit. And, but, but it sounds like with this and given what happened in 2011, after the 2010 midterms and the targeting of conservatives by the IRS, um, the, the, it would seem that the Fourth Amendment would prevent specifically uh, ideologically targeted audits, that those would not be considered reasonable to do this search, that people are going to be chosen almost either randomly, whether they've done anything wrong or not, or it appears that they may have done something wrong, or again, targeted because of their their, their political beliefs. Um, and then the second part of this is to ask, is would it be a would it be a fair comparison to say, you know, that the FBI, just in the interest of thoroughness, could conduct a criminal audit on just about anybody that they wanted. You didn't have to do anything wrong, but we're doing an audit to make sure that you haven't committed any crimes. So we're going to dig into your personal life, your professional life, your financial affairs, and we're going to make sure that you didn't do anything wrong. And after you've lawyered up, and after we've gone through the process, if we didn't find anything, we'll say thanks for your cooperation. But the hell that you've been put through is 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 un you know it it it's it's it, it can't be undone. Um, and I feel like that's what these audits are. It's the same thing. Yeah. We're coming to look through your life just to see if we can get you on something. And if we can't, hey, no big deal. What do you have to worry about if you haven't committed any crimes or you haven't cheated on your taxes? Then why do you have anything to worry about? And, and the answer is people do have a lot to worry about, even if they have done nothing wrong. Right, especially because the process is the penalty. You could be ex- completely clean, squeaky clean financials in your entire life, but when the IRS comes to talk to you, it's going to cost you money, it's going to cause you aggravation, because little mistakes, tiny over, you just don't know whether or not you're going to pass muster. You don't know. And that is the purpose behind much of what's transpiring. Everybody gets it. Everybody knows this. This is a, a process whereby government can keep people in check. That may not be the aim of many of the people, the, the minions in the IRS, but that's clearly the political aim here, and they're being unabashed in not disabusing people of that notion. With respect to your first point about uh, whether or not it's a Fourth Amendment uh, violation with respect to audits, that's going to be a very difficult proposition to prove. Um, you're going to have to, first of all, it protects against unreasonable searches and seizures. Uh, there's That's a pretty high bar when it comes to government investigations and government audits to meet. There'd have to be overwhelming evidence. Maybe you could marshal that, but it's going to be very, very tough to do so in discrete circumstances. And with respect to the FBI, uh, that's a little bit uh, easier. Now, if the FBI comes rummaging through your material, again, you can't have... the, the One of the reasons for Fourth Amendment is that broad-based, um, un, frankly, untrammeled investigations such as when the colonists were subjected to ransacking over their homes by the British upon their whim. Those things are prohibited. You That's may be a great to, description uh, of Mar-a-Lago. That's a great description. Yeah, it, Sorry, but precisely. go ahead. Yeah, precisely right. And, if they can do, and the, the message that was sent, and they were not trying to disabuse anybody of it, let's, let's be fair. The message that was sent by the, the regime and their acolytes in the media was, if this can happen to a former president, and somebody who is as tough and uh, resilient as him, guess what we can do to you? 
And you know what? We've got arms. We've got the FBI. We have IRS agents who are going to arm. We can do anything we want to to you. And the way the our instrumentalities of government have been systematically corrupted and diminished, my goodness, um, I think a lot of folks on our side of the political aisle are very, very nervous about it. That's why we have to be very vigilant with respect to corruption of the voting process, the election process, that a lot of people are afraid of. This is not tinfoil hat territory. You know, you talk to election experts who are not in the, the, the pay of the Democratic Party or the media, but I repeat myself, and they will tell you, you know, Bob, I've talked to you about my friend Christian Adams. I think you've, you've had Christian Adams on your show, or at least I, I know I've had him on a couple of times when I've guest hosted for you. This guy is an election law expert uh, without peer. He used to be in the voting section. And he had predicted precisely what had transpired in the 2020 election back in April of that year. And I was amazed by that because I didn't think it was going to happen. But all of the ballot integrity issues are still on the table. We've got to rectify those things. But if they are rectified, if the Republicans finally wake up and are as tenacious as they need to be to protect the integrity of the ballot box, our aim is to get as many strong Republicans, not any, you know, just kind of average Republicans who bend at the whim of the progressives and the dominant media. But we've got to take major measures to peel back this totalitarianism, authoritarianism that has been encroaching on us, at least since the Obama administration. Many will say it goes far back beyond that. But it's been moving apace since the Obama administration. We are witnessing the one thing that Obama told the truth about, and that is he wished to fundamentally transform America. And Biden's uh, administration is peopled by former Obama people. It is the Obama administration part two is what it is. I know many of the people who were for many of the people who were in the Obama administration who are currently in the Biden administration who are pulling strings. This is what's happening, and they are unabashed about it. They're going to fundamentally transform America before we can get our feet about ourselves and push back. That's what their hope is. We've got to be vigilant about that. We've got to push back and then repeal the lunacy that is hurting America, from the border to prosecutions of of crime to being soft on China to you name it. Everything in the world that is hurting us, and especially the – not especially, but not to um, leave out – the ridiculous amount of government spending that is impoverishing most ordinary Americans. Pete, super quick before we move on and get into our uh, break here, too. Um, I, just a clarification. When I asked you about the Fourth Amendment and uh, whether or not you know that would be protection against somebody from being audited unless there is a, you know, a legitimate problem cause situation, and you said it would be really, really hard to prove, I know it's not the equivalent of a trial, but in the trial system, it's the government that has to prove something. The government has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that a crime was committed here. I'm presumed to be innocent. Um, shouldn't the FBI have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that there's even a reason for this audit, that there's probable cause? Shouldn't they have to present to a judge that there's probable cause that a, that a tax crime was committed here before they can start digging through my life? Sure, they can, they, they can do that. And the thing is, if you're contending that the FBI or the IRS has done something wrong, you know, the moving party has the burden of proof. Uh, but then, of course, that um, well, opposing then, but, party but, is going to have to come see, up with that, the proof. That's where, that's where I guess I just I misunderstand this. 
I'm not suggesting they've done something wrong. They're suggesting I did something wrong. And they should have to prove that to a judge before they come into my, into my, into my uh, life. And as you called it, I think, uh, uh, paraphrasing you here, the punishment is, 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 the, is, is the investigation. You know, the punishment is the fact that they're going to audit you. Uh, regardless of whether you have to pay a big fine at the end of it or not, if you're clear, you've still gone through the punishment that is the audit. I feel like I'm not suggesting or accusing, I'm not the moving party accusing the FBI or the IRS of doing something wrong. They're the moving party accusing me of doing something wrong, and they ought to have uh, a judge's warrant in order to be able to do that. Well, it depends on the nature of the investigation, obviously, and sometimes they do have to have a warrant. Sometimes they don't. Uh, Various agencies, now the FBI and, say, an administrative agency may be subject to different standards. Because there are different criminal standards versus civil standards. The IRS may, may be subject to a lower standard if it's simply a civil issue as opposed to a criminal issue. There's a heightened burden on the government when they're alleging a crime is committed. That's why they have to go out, like in the Mar-a-Lago case, get an affidavit, get a warrant, you know, or a subpoena in a, in a particular case, have the instrumentality of the third branch of government intervene uh, to make sure everything is kosher, and then they can do it. But with respect to administrative matters that, that may yield a civil penalty, the burden is much lower. Uh, that doesn't mean you're without recourse. I mean, there are manner, uh, uh, mechanisms by which ordinary American, and it's, it may be difficult because ordinary Americans don't have, you know, all extra cash lying around in the case of an unwarranted audit, but there are defenses, there are mechanisms to protect oneself. Now, if we start seeing systemic violations, that's a whole different matter. And, yeah. um, you know, that, that's uh, and that's what I think Which I think is... 87,000 new, more than doubling right. the size of the body uh, uh, of the IRS. Uh, and again, with the, you know, thousands and thousands of firearms being purchased, uh, applica- job listings that say must be prepared to use deadly force, uh, and, you know, 5 million rounds of ammunition being collected by a tax agency, uh, I think systemic uh, abuses is absolutely something to be considered here. Pete, I have to break here. I apologize. It's 1057. We'll take our news break now. We'll come back. And on the other side, Mar-a-Lago. What does it mean for the American people? What does Liz Cheney's ouster a week after Mar-a-Lago mean in this country as well? We'll talk to Peter Kirstenau about that next. AM 1420. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine minutes after 11 o'clock and we continue on this Thursday edition. It's uh, the 18th morning of the 8th month of the year of our Lord, 2022, and we continue now with our good friend, Peter Kersenow, United States Commission on Civil Rights. Don't forget to tune in for the Kersenow Report 
weekly on AM 1420, The Answer. You can also access that on the webpage at whkradio.com. Pete, I want to start this hour, or this uh, our, our last half hour together, with this extraordinary information. The FBI unit that oversaw the Mar-a-Lago uh, raid uh, a little over a week ago, and that is overseeing the investigation now, is the same FBI unit that ran the Trump-Russia collusion investigation. The discredited, debunked, bogus, phony, hoaxy um, Trump-Russia collusion investigation. I'm trying to figure out how this can be, but Paul Sperry is reporting on this real clear investigations. Quote, the FBI division overseeing the investigation of Trump's handling of declassified materials at his Mar-a-Lago residence is also a focus of special counsel John Durham's investigation of the Bureau's alleged abuses of power and political bias during its years-long Russiagate probe of Trump. The FBI's nine-hour, 30-agent uh, 30 raid of the former president's estate as part of a counterintelligence case run out of Washington, not Miami, as has been widely reported, according to FBI case documents and sources with knowledge of the matter, the Bureau's Counterintelligence Division led the 2016-2017 Russia collusion investigation of Trump, codenamed Crossfire Hurricane. Pete, I find that to be astounding uh, and, quite frankly, terrifying. Um, what, and, and I'll couple this, by the way, with a report from Steve Bannon's War Room that says the deep state was after crossfire hurricane documents at Mar-a-Lago, not nuclear codes or documents related to nuclear codes, as was reported. But the reason they took everything they could find, anything that he had ever seen or written or read as president, is because they were looking for information related to Crossfire Hurricane. And maybe, Pete, it's not about proving Trump committed a crime. It's about gathering documents that perhaps could prove that they committed crimes. That's how I'm looking at it. How are you seeing it? Well, you know, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I think people would have thought that that's a fantastical statement, that that's, uh, you know, something out of fiction. And I wish I could say that. Uh, you know, I try to be as sober as possible about these. I think most of your listeners are, and they're skeptical about anything that sounds like a grand conspiracy theory, but we're presented with evidence of such conspiracy on a daily basis over the course of a number of years now. And, you know, I read that same article and a similar article with respect to uh, the, the the individuals in the FBI who are part of this investigation. And remember, these are the same individuals who think that they can do these things with impunity because, in fact, they have not been punished. They've been caught in lies, in crimes, and nothing has happened. Why is it that we have Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Andy McCabe has got his, himself a nice little gig on CNN, James Comey? Where are all these people? People who either lied under oath or committed felonies that were never prosecuted. We were waiting for something to happen. Time passes, time passes, time passes. Then we move on to the next crisis. We forget about it. But at the end of the day, those folks are left standing untouched. It's extraordinary. And yet, if you're a conservative, if you spit on the sidewalk, no matter who you are, you could be the most uh, connected, so, so to speak, person out there with tons of money. But the Giuliani's of the world, uh, the um, 
uh, all the, the folks surrounding the Trump orbit, they're subjected to persecution on a regular basis. We, we have heard over the last number of months in conservative media, it's intensified this double standard, but it's true. The double standard's out there. It's been out there for a long time. You know, maybe the most notable one in recent history began with Lois Lerner, but it's been going on for decades. It's just reached this pinnacle now that is frightening, especially when you consider 87,000 IRS agents, you consider, you know, uh, the various instrumentation of government that have, been, that have been directed at getting conservatives. And Mar-a-Lago, I think, kind of wrapped it all up in a nice bow because it seemed as if it was an out-of-control FBI manned by the same folks who are engaged in all manner of nefarious and despicable activity in the last few years. And they're, they're doing so, again, with it, it appears to be impunity, especially now that there is no level of government that is not under their control. Pete, um, it would seem that the, I want to talk about Bruce Reinhardt's decision that he's going to make today as he hears arguments about uh, releasing the contents of the affidavit. Uh, it, it would seem to me that the entire Crossfire Hurricane uh, investigation was launched by the bogus phony steel dossier that was used to get a warrant from a FISA right. court to be able to do all of this. Now we have an affidavit that was used to get a warrant from Judge Reinhardt to be able to search Mar-a-Lago and raid it, essentially, rather than issue a subpoena requesting documents. They had done that, by the way. I don't know if we talked about this last week or not. But they, in the spring, they had issued a subpoena for certain documents from Trump's uh, residence, and President Trump and his attorneys complied completely. Um, right. Were, were totally cooperative. So all they had to do, it would seem, this time around, is what? It would seem that all they have to do is is do the same thing. Say, hey, we want more out of that uh, facility. So, how about giving us this, 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 and this? Instead, they come at them, well, you know, with thirty agents, uh, you know, in a pre-dawn raid. So, Pete, if the crossfire hurricane was started with a phony and bogus steel dossier, how do we know this isn't a phony and bogus affidavit getting a warrant from a Trump-hating judge, a very well-acknowledged and known Trump-hating judge by his own words on social media and his recusal from that uh, civil case between Trump and Hillary because he knew he couldn't be impartial? Uh, How do we know what's in this unless he releases that to the public? The presumption should be, unfortunately, and it pains me to say this in the United States of America. I've been a practicing lawyer for more than four decades, and I presume everybody's lying to me, because very often that's that's what's (laughs) happening, okay? But you want better from your institutions of government. You want to believe in the United States of America. And it's becoming increasingly difficult to believe anything that comes from the federal government, regardless of whether or not a Republican or, or Democrat's in charge. My presumption going in, and has been for a number of years now, is whatever I hear is whatever the quote-unquote regime wants me to hear, and is, you know, maybe completely disconnected from the truth at all. And especially when it comes to Democrats, let's be fair. I don't want to play, you know, false equivalency here. The Republicans may be inept, but they try to at least, in, in the main, try to be truthful. And they, even if they don't have any propensity to do so, they know the media is going to rip them to shreds if they make the slightest mistake with respect to accuracy. But Democrats, they can operate with impunity, so they do. They, they lie constantly. So my presumption is, given especially the, the predicate of Crossfire Hurricane and all the other corruptions that we saw during the Trump administration and trying to get Trump and his uh, people uh, out, I presume almost everything they say is false or at least manufactured in a certain direction to 
prop up the, the regime and to go after conservatives and especially Donald Trump. The fear of Donald Trump is, is you know, the, there's the famous meme where Trump is standing there looking or pointing uh, at the camera saying, um, they're not really they're me, not they're after, after you, yeah. you know, I'm just happy to be in the way. And that is, that is phenomenal. That, that nails it completely. And that's why they can't stand Trump, because many of us, and I'm one of them, uh, you know, I used to believe in or hope uh, that uh, the, the folks like the Bushes of the world were protecting us. But um, when Trump came along, I think what happened is it showed the stark demarcation between the inside Beltway Republicans, who are just Democrat-like, and someone who regardless of what flaws you may attribute to him, and he has flaws and he acknowledges them. Um, he stood up for the American people and for America. He loves America first and not the inside the beltway crowd. And it, it uh, took me a long time to realize, not a long time, but it took me a, a while to realize that the Republicans that I used to support, uh, in fact, had no choice but to support because they're the only ones available, um, weren't doing a very good job, even when we thought they were doing a decent job at protecting us. And they weren't conservative, and they weren't protecting the little guy. And I think that alarmed the regime, meaning the in-power, in, uh, deep-state Democrats and, and progressives, and they have to get rid of them. They have to destroy the example of Donald Trump. Um, again, my belief is almost everything that I hear coming from mainstream media needs to be filtered through the lens of objectivity and fact-checking, because I'm presuming they're telling me a story, and that's based on experience, and I bet you your audience believes the same thing. Yeah, well, I do. I haven't practiced law for 40 years like you to really uh, you know, become an expert in, in uh, dishonesty, as you must face on a regular basis, but I do feel the same way. Uh, Pete, let me ask you about the uh, ouster of Liz Cheney and and what that means. Big picture, yeah, I know, right? Um, it was funny all summer long. We're looking at these twenty point gaps. Like, my goodness, that is just you know these polls. Um, that's a bit of a reach. He's losing by twenty points. We were mocking it all summer long. That's a lot uh, to lose by twenty points. And then on election day, that twenty points wasn't accurate, as it turns out. It was double that. She lost by forty points. Um, some those who are also never Trumpers like her uh, say that she took the bullet for the country. They say that she was willing to sacrifice her own political career, knowing that honor and the Constitution and the Republic um, trump her party and her and her going after a member of her own party in such a way. You know that is uh, that is secondary to her love of country, and they actually think that she's heroic for what she's doing. Her own comparison of herself to Abraham Lincoln in her concession speech obviously proves that she thinks that's what she's doing, and she apparently is uh, uh, is interested in running for president. I think we all know not to win, but so that she can continue to be in the spotlight and be on debate stages and continue to just tear the flesh off of Donald Trump. So what do you make of her loss, big picture, and what do you make of her potential run for president to do what I just described? Well, as latter, there she has no predicate for it. <laughs> she may as well run for you know the president of her local school board, and she's going to get crushed there, too. She's not going to be in elected office anytime in the near future as a Republican or a Democrat. She's served her purpose as a, as a Republican, as far as the Democrats are concerned. They're not going to welcome her with open arms, arms other than maybe getting a little sinecure at MSNBC or CNN, like every other uh, never-Trumper senior to get. Liz Cheney is one of the examples that I referred to earlier where, you know, back in the past before Trump, we kind of liked certain people who we thought were, at least in comparison, strong conservatives and now have proven to be anything but that, especially in comparison to a Donald Trump. Uh, it's extremely disheartening, and, and I, that's probably the, the, the least um, 
accurate. I mean, much something much more harsh needs to be applied to it to see the Cheneys of the world um, act in this fashion. But it's illuminating. We have to know who is actually promoting the interests of the American people and not the conventional will, beltway wisdom. And that was Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney spent her her childhood and growing, you know, her formative years inside the Beltway. She's not some some person from Wyoming, you know. She's a person from inside the Beltway, and she reflected that sensibility. And I'm glad that she and other Republicans have been outed in the way that they have been, because again, we've got a country to save, and we need every able-bodied conservative to be rock solid and protect the American people and the American Constitution. And um, The fact that a Liz Cheney or the Adam Kinzigers and and a a few others, there are not that many of them, thankfully, because uh, and especially they're going to be fewer even now because of this resounding defeat. I think even those Republicans who are inclined to go in a Cheney direction have been chastened. But I think, you know, those folks, all of those folks are, are going to be, you know, I think defeated fairly soon. But we we have to. It's imperative for Republicans to stand firm because we're under assault like at no time, at least in my lifetime. And it's important for us to take a Trumpian approach. I know a lot of folks don't like that. And, you know, we, you and I have talked about, you know, the the um, imperfections of Donald Trump and their legion. He acknowledges them. Many of us love the imperfections because we have to take the imperfections. Those very same imperfections are the kind of things that impel him to do what he does. But uh, the, the Donald Trumps of the world all of his imperfections are highlighted by the Cheneys and Kinzingers of the world, but they aren't similarly exercised about the massive flaws on the part of their newfound friends in the Democratic Party. They're looking at picky little things from the Trumps and others like him, the DeSantis's of the world, and it makes me wonder, are they truly conservatives? Or is there another agenda at play here? And I think there are personal agendas at play. They're trying to get, you know, for a long time, there were a lot of people who wanted to get respect from inside the Beltway, from the Washington Post, the New York Times. You don't get respect for them. You're just a useful idiot. And Cheney is willingly, she's way too savvy to to just allow herself to be a useful idiot. She's playing that role intentionally to enhance her own prospects, whatever they may be, because her political prospects are dead. I mean, she may not even realize it yet, as savvy as she should be, but her other prospects aren't. She's made millions and millions of dollars uh, being inside the Beltway, um, and she will make even more now until such time as she's no longer useful to the regime. Peter Kirsten, of course, is our guest uh, this Thursday morning. Peter, I've got time for one more topic, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the border. You mentioned the border briefly in a previous comment. Um, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, is livid because he has ha- he has his National Guard doing everything that they can to try to protect Texas and thus the United States from this massive crush of illegal immigration. And they have fencing, fences up, and they're locked, and they have uh, barbed wire on top of them, basically saying, can't come in, don't do this, you have to go through the legal channels, and so on and so forth. Um, Joe Biden's Border Patrol was ordered to open those gates. And there's video of those gates being opened for the migrants to stream in illegally anyway. Top that with Governor Greg Abbott sending illegal aliens who come into Texas uh, voluntarily. He's not grounding anybody up at knife point or at gunpoint and putting them on buses, but asking them where they would like to go. Want to go to Washington, D.C.? Want to go to New York City? And he's sending busloads of um, of migrants to D.C. so that, you know, share the pain a little bit. Why put all... 
Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Coming up on 1140, just a few minutes left on this Thursday edition. A little programming note here for you. Khalid Namar, my good friend and one of the incredibly talented uh, members of a deep bench that I've been able to put together when I'm not on the air uh, to host for me, uh, is going to be in for me tomorrow. He's going to talk to Star Parker, by the way, which is going to be an awful lot of fun, I think, for you. You're also going to have your Week in Review tomorrow from some of the interviews and the important segments that we've done this week. But I'll be at a charity golf outing, helping to raise some money for the uh, Independence Kiwanis uh, Foundation to help uh, help veterans. So uh, I'll be there tomorrow. So Khalid will be in for me. And I know you are going to enjoy that. Uh, in the time that I've got left, not really a ton of time here for calls. We haven't taken calls all day. We've gone straight to interviews. And by the way, speaking of those interviews, Grover Norquist talked to us in hour number one. That interview will be available for you in about an hour or so. Uh, you will also have uh, uh, a conversation that I did with Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, that will be posted also. And uh, you'll be able to listen to the Now interview as part of the whole show. So we'll have separate interviews or separate uh, postings of uh, Grover Norquist talking about the um, Inflation Production Act, which is what it really is. Uh, from earlier in the program today, we'll have Dr. Everett Piper talking to us about trans um, authoritarianism, if not outright totalitarianism. Uh, and then Peter Kirsten now talked to us about so many different things. So that will be contained in the regular show uh, podcast, but the other interviews will be available for your enjoyment at uh, and for your entertainment and your, your education, quite frankly. Uh, on uh, alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. Make sure that you check those out. So I posted a picture just as, in, as a follow-up <clears throat> to my conversation with Pete, Peter Kersenow. I just posted a picture on my social media accounts, on my Facebook page, which is uh, uh, alwayswrite1420, and my Truth Social page, Trump's Truth Social page, which is alwayswritewhk. And the picture that I posted as a follow-up to what I was just discussing with Kersenow is a picture of Joe Biden's beach house. His beach house in, uh, I don't even know how to say the name of the town, to be honest with you. It's like Rehoboth or something. Uh, Rehoboth, 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 whatever it is. I've never been there. Uh, Rehoboth Beach, uh, Delaware. And, you know, he's got this glorious uh, property there. It's a 4,786-square-foot home built in 2007. Six bedrooms, five bathrooms, five-and-a-half bathrooms, rather. Gourmet kitchen, three fireplaces, multiple decks and porches. And that's just the beach house. That's just their beach house. It's not their primary residence. But they paid two point seven million dollars for it back in 2017, and it's there in the you know in the elite of the elite. That's that's where people who can afford two point seven million dollar homes live. So he's there on the beach, and she's there on the beach, and boy, it looks pristine. It just looks so incredibly clean there. It looks like there are no vagrants wandering around, shooting up on the sidewalks. It looks like there's nobody sleeping under garbage cans or sleeping under cardboard boxes. It's just really, really a nice place to be. And it occurs to me that maybe Joe Biden is just a little bit out of touch about what's going on in border towns all through the American Southwest that are overrun by impoverished people who are crossing our border illegally, 
being welcomed in, being told, oh, you're claiming asylum. Okay, well then go on about where you want to be. And they are indeed living under trash cans, living in uh, some cases under cardboard boxes, panhandling in every place that they can find, harassing people, leaving waste behind, and so on and so forth. And it occurs to me, maybe Joe Biden should get a real feel for what the border problem is. Now, he can't get a real feel for it unless he goes to it, right? Well, he refused to do that. He's been president a year and a half. He's never gone to the border. Not once to see what the what it looks like to have 2 million illegal border crossers a year coming into the United States. He doesn't know what it's like. He won't go to it. So since he won't go to it, I've posted the picture so Greg Abbott knows where to direct the bus. The governor of Texas has been sending busloads of illegals to New York City for them to deal with, rather than just all the border towns in Texas. Sending them to Washington, D.C. I've got the picture, and I actually tagged Governor Greg Abbott in these posts, saying, Governor Abbott, there's the target. Send the buses to Rehoboth or Rehoboth or whatever it is, Beach, Delaware. If Biden won't go to the border, bring the border to Biden. Let's see how that works out. Maybe if his glorious little palace there is invaded, he'll have a different view of things. Colleen, tomorrow and tomorrow. I'll see you Monday. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.